Amen. That's a great song. Well done. That's a lot harder than it looks to get up here and deliver a message and song like that. I'm thankful for those young people doing that. And it's an encouragement. And I know music is for the Lord, but it sure does a good job also preparing us to hear from the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. I just want to say I've enjoyed the week so much. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. The preaching from Brother Hardy has just been so helpful and needful and timely. And I'm grateful for it. I can't reiterate enough, young people, to, to listen again to those messages on that subject this week. Uh, it's been a privilege uh, also to have our folks here from Sioux Falls, Eastside Baptist Church. And, and uh, we drove down from the frozen tundra um, to come down here to step into the oven down here. Um, and yet, uh, I'm so, I love our teenagers. I mean, Brother Hardy gave his a shout out. So I'm going to shout out ours tonight. And, and uh, grateful for you. I also just want to say thank you uh, to Pastor Gaddis and Brother Copes, Brother Seth. I mean, I don't think we realize what it takes uh, to operate an event like this. And, uh, and besides the power going out this morning, which is something they couldn't help, I'm just saying it's been done in an excellent way. And, uh, and uh, these guys, these men would tell you, Brother Seth, especially overseeing that, there's no way he could do this without the volunteers from Southwest Baptist Church. And uh, the work behind the scenes, it has been tremendous. And uh, so I just want to say thank you um, to those Southwest uh, members here tonight and maybe even watched on live stream. Uh, your labor's not in vain and, uh, and you'll get to go to sleep here pretty soon. Okay, so um, to the youth pastors as well. Uh, hopefully then at some point you'll get some rest. But I know some are driving home tonight, so I don't want to spend too much time. I will say uh, right now, um, the only disappointment I had tonight, um, if you'll just, you know, forgive me, let me be transparent. You know, they're up here singing the healer. And I kept waiting for the kid to glory, for glory bound to throw his crutches down and run around the room. Like, couldn't we not plan that for YouthCon at some point? That would have been amazing, right? Yeah, I was waiting for it. Like, uh, and then disappointment, you know. So anyway, uh, he's, he's been resilient this week. Appreciate him in that too. I, I want to say as well, thank you, Brother Hardy, uh, just to echo all, everything that he said about our relationship and uh, and and I say that we spent, you know, we have a, a relationship of over... Um, 20, about 25 years at this time, um, and, and, I'm, and he's been my mentor in my life. I mean, two men in my life that have shaped me the most are right here and right here, my dad and uh, Brother Hardy, and I'm thankful. Um, so every time, every time I look at my dad, I cry. So <laughs> you can interpret that how you want. So. <laughs> Um, they've shaped me, but, you know, Brother Hardy, um, I met him, I look back on the most, the richest relationships in my life outside of my family uh, came because I chose to come to Bible college. And uh, I met my wife at Bible college, I met my mentor at Bible college, I look around the room, Tad, I see my good friend, we walked onto the campus the same day as freshmen. And, uh, and I, I'm not going to tell you which was least likely to succeed, um, but it wasn't me. And, um, and yet we walked on. He's here serving God. I look around the room, and most of my richest friendships in the whole world came because I chose to give my life to God. And I'm telling you, 
if you can get this message tonight, it'll make a difference in your life. Um, and of Genesis 21 is where we're going to be. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, Genesis 21 is where we'll be. We'll also be in Galatians chapter 4. Uh, and Brother Ed Vicente saw him earlier. I'm just thinking about these, these guys that were there when I walked on as a freshman. And I'm glad they're not having the pulpit telling stories about our early days. Uh, we'll leave those in, in California. Um, Genesis 21 and Galatians 4 is where we'll be. Once you find it, let's go ahead and stand. And, and I, I start with that today, young people, because there was a time in my life as a teenager, as a senior in high school, where I came to a point of decision and I realized that I could either do the things that I wanted to do or I could give my life to the Lord and do what he wanted me to do. I was a senior in high school at youth camp and, and I had surrendered as a, as a kid and tried to run away from that. And, and I came to a point of decision where I realized that if I hold on to the things that I want, um, I think in the moment that I'm winning, but really in the end I'm losing. And I had to come to terms with the fact that sometimes in the Christian life, you have to lose to win. You have to be willing to say, okay, I'm done with this because there's something better waiting for me. And that's what this message is about. That's what this week is about, is we hope that you will catch a glimpse of this truth that if you will say no to the things right now, if you'd be willing to lose in the moment, you can win in the end. And it's the best life, I'm telling you. Genesis 21 is where we'll be. And again, I keep getting ahead of myself. It says in verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived. And you say, well, people can see, conceive all the time. People have babies all the time, not when they're 90. And we stand in awe of him, uh, that God would do a miracle. And he does a miracle right here in Genesis 21. Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when he, his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all will hear, all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And I'm telling you, nobody would have predicted this. Only a God that we stand in awe of could have made this happen in their lives. And the child grew, verse 8, and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And just when you think, okay, that's it, the story is over, everything's good, and they lived happily ever after, we get to verse 9. And see, here's the thing about the Bible it's good for us to understand. Not everything in the Bible, um, I mean, everything in the Bible is preserved, but not everything in the Bible has God's stamp of approval. Meaning there are plenty of things that people did outside of God's will in the Bible, and when it happens, it always comes back. To bite them in the end. Look at verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. 
Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. You say, that is a depressing end to the story, but it tells a story that we need. It gives us a principle that we need. And tonight's message, I'm going to give it to you up front, is this. Sometimes you have to lose to win. There will come a time in your life, and it could be tonight is the night, that you come to the end of yourself and say, if I want to move forward for God, I have to make some tough decisions tonight. If I want to follow God's will for my life, I'm going to have to let go of the things that are even near and dear to my heart because God has a bigger plan for my life. Sometimes you have to lose to win. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this truth. I pray that you'd help me to convey it. Give me clarity and give us help tonight that you would speak to our hearts and do a great work. Lord, I pray that the young person that's holding on to something um, and, and trying their best not to let it go would be willing to lose tonight in order to win in the end. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How many of you like sports? Like sports? Okay. Um, how many of you are football people? I mean, I haven't gotten a, a, an applause yet tonight. So if you like football, thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. How many of you like baseball? Okay. How many of you like basketball? All right. How many of you like Hialeah? Okay. Just kidding. No. All right. Just one. All right. But Ted likes Hialeah. How many of you like Football. Soccer. I mean, we literally have people doing this right here. I mean, what's wrong with soccer? I mean, they, they're, they're in good shape, and they run around a lot, and, and it's the most popular sport in the world, let's just be honest. Well, I, I'm not a big soccer fan. I don't really understand a lot about it, but recently... I, I saw a game on, on television, and I was watching it a little bit, and two things came to mind as I watched it is, I don't know what they give those that win the soccer championship trophy, but I think it ought to be called the Oscar, because they're the most dramatic actors on the planet. Right. All right. No more clapping. You're done. It's like LeBron James on the soccer field, you know, so... I was also struck, and this is, now we're getting serious, stop clapping, okay. I was also struck by, if you've ever watched kids play soccer, and our kids have played soccer, and, and when kids play soccer, there's one ball, and like 30 children all running after the ball at once, and the goalie's back over here chasing butterflies, and you know how it is in kids' soccer, 
And, and all that children think about in soccer is I need to get the ball to the goal. That's all I need to do. And they're just, they, they think I've just always got to be moving the ball toward the goal. But when you watch professional soccer player, players play, you realize how, much, how many times or how much of the game the ball is being kicked backwards. You ever notice that? The, the goal's up there and the ball's maybe over here. They can't get the ball to the middle, so they come back around in order to gain a, an advantage on this side. And, and, and it's a sign of, of a more mature player to say, I'm not always going to be able to go right toward the goal. There are times when I have to give up ground if I'm, if I'm going to gain ground. And this happens in life too when you start driving you'll realize you can't always just do what you want or you'll get, you're going to get run over at some point. You have to yield at times. You have to give up ground if you're going to gain ground. Uh, the first time that you get a job, your first job, you're going to realize if you want to keep getting paid, you have to submit to your boss and do what they say. As a, as a child with parents, you realize your life is a lot better if you will, at times, all the time, right now, that's your job, submit to your parents' authority and obey what they say because in the end, that's better for you. And, and there are times in life that we have to understand you've got to release some things. You've got to let go of some things if you want to move forward. And right now in this story, Abraham is learning that this is the father of the nation of Israel. I mean, God had all kinds of promises for Abraham. He's waited over 25 years for this son, Isaac, to come along. And, and I imagine that Abraham thought, well, you know, since Isaac is born, there's nothing else hindering God's plan for my life. Now that Isaac is here, we can just move forward Except when you, and look at verse 8, but not an except yet. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Things sound like they're going great. Abraham's so pleased with Isaac that he throws a party when he's weaned. That's weird. So, unfortunately, not everyone had a great reaction, though, to the attention that Isaac is getting. Because in verse 9, it says... Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. There's a young man named Ishmael, and, and Sarah comes along, and Ishmael is making fun of Isaac. She, he's mocking Isaac, and at this point, Ishmael's an older teenager, and, and Isaac is just a young child. And, and, and so Sarah goes into mama bear role. Anybody here have a mama bear? Mom, I have a mama bear. One time, I, now, and I'm going to tell you something about myself that you probably didn't realize one person could be, could have so much coolness wrapped up in this one person. When I was in middle school, two years in a row, state spelling bee champion. Yes. Washington, D.C., twice, two trips. Uh, and those of you guys that someday dream about talking into an ESPN microphone, I've done it for the spelling bee, but, you know, I've done it. Well, but uh, my second year, um, my eighth grade year, my last year 
of the state spelling bee. By the way, it was in Wyoming. There were only four contestants, so that's why I won. That's okay. I'll take it. My last year, I, I was in the state spelling bee and was down to, to me and this, this homeschool girl. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're like number one draft picks in the, states, in the spelling bee world. And we were going back and forth. It was me and this homeschool girl, and, and uh, we were going back and forth. And, I mean, I thought I had it in the bag until I get this word that I didn't recognize. And this word that I, I hadn't studied for, I didn't know. And this word that I get is from the, the uh, person that gives it to me. Um, they say, palpable. And I say, palpable? And they say, yes, palpable. What I didn't realize is that I had mispronounced the word when I said it back to them. And my mom... Mama Bear. She was up in the balcony. Um, it was the state capitol in Wyoming. I mean, this is big time stuff, okay? Don't laugh at the nerds, okay? Someday you will be working for them. I mean, so, I mean, my mom is on the second floor, and I say, I palpable, and they say, yes, palpable. So I spell it like it sounds. P-A-L-P-R-E-B-R-A-L, palpable. Ding. The bell goes off. I miss the word. And, and I, I look up at my mom, and one second she's there, and I close my eyes, look back up, and now my mom has already teleported <laughs> from the balcony. I think she jumped. Now, it's debatable. She's standing next to me, and she's saying, Wait a second, there was a mispronunciation. And she says, you said palpable, and it's palpable. And the judges are looking at each other like, oh, you know, Mama Bear's claws are like. <laughs> sure enough, it was their mistake. Mama Bear saves the day. I spelled it right. Then the homeschool girl at some point got a word that she wasn't able to spell, like cat or something, and <laughs> just kidding. We homeschool our children, okay? So she got one, I got it right, won the state spelling bee because mama bear saved the day. If you have a mama bear, be thankful for mama bears. Sarah's a mama bear. When she hears her son being made fun of by Ishmael, she comes along, she hears it, she goes straight to Abraham. She goes to Abraham and says, he's making fun of our son. I want him out of here. I want both of them gone. You got to get rid of them right now. And we might think, well, she's overreacting to this. But I want you to understand the situation here. See, the reason that they're in this mess in the first place is because Abraham and Sarah stepped outside of God's will and did something they shouldn't have done. They brought Hagar into the relationship when they weren't able to have children. And Abraham went in unto Hagar and had a son named Ishmael with his bondwoman, which was outside of the will of God. You see, the reason that we have to clean up messes is because we step outside of God's will for our lives. 
And this problem that they have is not God's fault. That was not God's plan for them to, for them to have a child like this. But Sarah, now this is the issue, and Ishmael's making fun of Isaac. Sarah says, kick them out. And Abraham, no doubt, loves his son. He's not ready to just get rid of Ishmael. Look at verse 11. It says, and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Uh, he loves Ishmael. This is his firstborn son. And, and I know there are problems. and I know this is an issue. But in his mind, he's thinking, Sarah, you're kind of overreacting. And, and you know, it's, very, it's important for us to understand that the reason we're having an issue like this is because people didn't do right in the first place. And before you think, well, it's not really, it doesn't really sound like God, you know, to come along and say, go ahead and kick Ishmael and kick Hagar out. That, this does not imply that God doesn't care about their lives. Every life matters to God. Every baby born or unborn matters to God. Every soul matters to God. And, and, but it does not change the fact, listen, that Ishmael represents a moment of fleshly decisions in Abraham and Sarah's life. It represents a time that they, were, they stepped outside of God's will and caused this problem for themselves. Look at verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman in all that Sarah hath said unto thee, Hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called, and also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. I find this to be an unexpected answer from God. I would have assumed that God would say, you know, don't listen to Sarah. You need to provide for your son. But God has a different purpose in this story. He tells Abraham to let Hagar and let Ishmael go because Isaac is the promised seed and Abraham's focus needs to be on Isaac. That God's plans would come through Isaac, not Ishmael. And before you say again, that's wrong. A father should never forsake his family. I agree, but that's not what's going on here. See, first, God has already promised, I will take care of Ishmael. I will, I will make of him a great nation. And second, before you dismiss what God is doing and says this sounds strange, the indication that God gives to Abraham is this, that if Ishmael is going to hinder my work in your life, Ishmael is going to be a hindrance to you moving forward for me. Ishmael is going to be a problem. And if you aren't willing or if you are not able to let go of him, he will continue to be a problem in your life. See, God is establishing his chosen family on earth. The Messiah would come through this family. And, and, but Ishmael was going to be a problem for those purposes. So God said, in this situation, you've got to let him go. And you say, well, I don't really fully understand what's going on here. Turn over to Galatians 4, and maybe this will give us a little bit more understanding. Galatians chapter 4. In order to illustrate this, though, I'm going to need some help uh, up here. Uh, I, I need a young man, probably 17, 18 years old, that's, that's very strong. Okay, I need somebody that's strapping, strong, like Gaston. Okay, 
Would you like to come up? I'm not sure. Okay, right. I'm not sure he uses antlers in all of his decorating, but come on up here. What's your name? Luke. Oh, even Luke. All right, so come stand right here. We're going to have Luke illustrate Isaac. Now I need somebody who would be the opposite of Luke. I need a young man who's small. Yellow shirt. Okay, come on up. Yellow shirt. I'm sorry, bud. Maybe next time. Come on up here. What's your name? Simon. Simon's perfect for this role. See, so I'm going to have, this is going to represent Isaac for us. This is going to re- represent Ishmael. I know it's, it's, it's backwards in their age, but, but you'll see once I get to the illustration, I hope you'll understand. Isaac and Ishmael here re- are representative of two things, according to Galatians chapter 4. Look at verse 21, and I, I'd like to just give you an idea of context of what's going on. Um, this is Paul talking to the Galatians. He says, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? Uh, There's an issue. The Galatians had been saved by faith, but they're trying then to step back under the law. They're trying to live under the law even though they've been saved by faith. Look at verse 22. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. So understand that the son by the bondmaid is Hagar, and we're going to say that's represented by Simon. This is Ishmael for our story. So one son born by a bondmaid is, is Ishmael. The other, that's, so this represents somebody born after the flesh. This represents a fleshly decision. On the other hand, there's another son. He, uh, it says he of the free woman was by promise. And this is Isaac. Um, this is the son that was born by God's promise. This is the one that God had a hand in. This is the one within God's will. Look at verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. He of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. Now, an allegory is a, it's a figure. It's a picture. It's something that is giving us a bigger spiritual truth in a physical situation. He says, for these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, that's talking about Ishmael. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Look down at verse 29. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. He said, okay, well, what in the world does this all mean? I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Well, you have in these two sons, you have one that represents the flesh, one that represents bondage, one that represents the law. Over here in Isaac, you've got, though, a son that represents grace, a son that represents the spirit. And as long as we attempt to live our lives in our flesh, what, what, what Paul is essentially saying is, if we live according to this son, the flesh, then we will continue to be spiritual slaves. But if we will live according to the spirit, then we will be free. And listen, some teens are there tonight and, and that you are trying to live the life for God in your flesh. And everything you do is done in your strength 
And without God's help and without the Spirit of God, can I just tell you tonight, you were not meant to live without burden. You don't have to live God's life in your own strength. He, he intends for you to live in the Spirit. See, the flesh is bondage. It's a heavy burden. But grace is different. See, under grace, it's not what we do, but what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And that he came to this earth and died for our sins and gives us his spirit so that we can live and operate in our, our lives for God in his strength, not in ours. The problem is, as long as we live in a body, we will constantly battle the flesh and the spirit. Hagar and Ishmael represent the bondage of the flesh. Isaac represents the freedom of the spirit. And the figure comes to life in, in, in the story that we just read because Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. Ishmael was making fun of him, mocking him. The word is persecution. And the idea that Paul gives is he uses these two brothers to give, an, to give the picture of what life is like in your flesh. And you want to do things for God. You want to live for God. You have a desire to be right with God. You have a desire to follow God. But everywhere you go, your flesh is trying to get you to do the opposite. You might even say this, like we heard yesterday, it doesn't really, there, there are external voices in our lives, but there's also an internal voice that constantly tries to get us to do wrong. Even when you're by yourself and your friends aren't around, you think, well, if my friends aren't around, I can do this. And I, no, you still have a voice that is constantly trying to get you to do wrong. I mean, it happens to all of us. Young people might think that once I get saved and, and I have the Lord and I have the Holy Spirit, living for God is easy. Well, guess what? It's not easy. In fact, I mean, I'm 45 years old, and I, I, sometimes I think my flesh is as strong as it's ever been, trying to get me to do the things that I ought not to do. It's, a, it's like a school bully. If you've ever had a bully that constantly picks at you and constantly tries to keep you from doing what you ought to, it mocks you at every turn. And the Christian life is the battle between the spirit and the flesh. It's just the way it works. So to illustrate this, I'm going to have, I'm just going to call you Isaac and Ishmael. I'm going to have Isaac do a few things that he, sh he probably ought to be able to do with ease. Okay, so I'm going to have you start by running to the corner there, running back over there, and then right back here. Okay? As fast as you can. Go. Or you can do that. Yes? Okay? That's good. Come back. Come back. Fast. Okay? And then right back up. Okay? Pretty impressive. Yes. Easy. No. So tell me. So on a scale of... One to ten, I one being easy, ten being hard. How hard was that? It was like a one. Okay. So then I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Isaac do some jumping jacks. Okay, ten jumping jacks. Go ahead. Two, help him. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, hard or easy? Easy. Okay. Um, how about five push-ups? Okay. So go ahead. 
All the way down. Okay, good, okay. So on a scale of one to 10, one being the easiest, 10 being the hardest. A two, okay, all right. Two, sweat, two. Okay, now I want you to do one more thing. I want you to go step down onto the first step right there. This one, just that one right there. Just step down there. Now sit down on the floor and then stand back up. Now stand back up. Okay, good. So, not hard. Not hard. And if that's the way life was, super easy. But you have an Ishmael. I love this kid. (laughs) Ishmael, I want you to go get on Isaac's back. Okay. All right, good. All right, Isaac. Okay, get up higher. Get up higher, si- I mean, uh, Ishmael. Okay, so I want you, let, let's try this. Uh, just stay up here. I want you to run to that corner and then back right here as fast as you can. Just stay up here. Okay, all right. So on a scale of one to 10, one being the easiest, 10 the hardest. Four. A four, okay. Okay. Right, it's getting harder. All right, um, so jumping jacks. Ready? Here we go. Oh, okay. All right, okay. Yeah, you got to get back up there, Ishmael. You're resilient, buddy. Okay, all right. Okay, good. All right, so don't use your arms. Just do jumping jacks. My, well, is that okay? If this, okay, there you go. Do five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, good, excellent. All right, so scale of one to 10. Give that a three. A three. All right, push-ups. Yes, there you go. All right. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Okay, 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 go ahead and stand up. Okay, all right. Let, let's see <laughs> if he'll be honest at this point. Scale of one to 10. Uh, that was a 10. I that was a 10. Okay. That's what I thought. All right, one more. Ishmael, you got one more in you? Okay, good. All right, get up there. All right. Okay, I want to go down to the second step. This is the dangerous one. There you go. Let's go down one more, just, just because we want you to survive this. Sit down. All right, go ahead and stand back up then. 
All right. Okay, good. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right, go, go, go right back over there, right back here. Okay. Okay. Whew. Sometimes it works out better in your head. So, Isaac, though, was it easier with or without Ishmael? Uh, definitely without. <laughs> definitely without Ishmael. And, and I know it's a silly illustration, but that's how some of you are trying to live for God right now. Is that you are bound by Ishmael. And you've got a habit. You've got a sin in your life. It's like Ishmael's on your back and you're trying to live for God. You can't possibly live for God with Ishmael on your back. But you're doing it every day. And you're trying to get up and read your Bible. You've got sin in your life through your phone. You're trying to go out on outreach on Saturdays and do right, but you haven't been respectful to your parents in months. I'm telling you, this is a picture of the average Christian teenager. And that God has given you the option to live in freedom, but you choose to live under the bondage of Ishmael. And did you, did you see, it doesn't really matter if Ishmael is all that big or not. If you have an Ishmael in your life, it's all-consuming. It affects everything that you do. And, and this Ishmael is not very big compared to this Isaac. And you think it's just a small thing in my life. But it's impacting everything that you do. And I want you to see this. I want you to remember this illustration tonight because you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live under the bondage of the flesh. Look what, look what Paul said in Galatians 4.30. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You know what that means? As long as you've got your Ishmael, you can't dwell in the spirit the way God wants you to live. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. You know, if you are saved, if you're a child of God, he doesn't just promise you victory. He's already given you victory. And it's up to you then to make the choice to claim the victory over your sin or not. And we've got a generation of young people, I'm telling you, that are okay with sin. The things that you're allowing into your mind, into your eyes through Netflix, into your ears through your phone, into your brain through the conversations you're having, through the texts, through the snaps. I'm telling you, we have, we have slowly, maybe not so slowly, we have drifted toward carnality as being the norm for the average Christian teenager. And if you want to move forward for God. It's time to cast out your Ishmael. To illustrate that, then I would like Isaac, if you would pick him up, just real quick, now throw him into the first, the first row. Just kidding, no, don't do that. Okay, good. 
how could you throw a face like this? Get, go. Yeah, this is my buddy. I like him. Okay, good job. Thank you, give him a hand, okay. Young person, it's time to let Ishmael go. See, every one of us has a calling, but every one of us has an Ishmael. And you don't get to hold on to both. See, if you hold on to your Ishmael, you will miss God's best for your life. Maybe your Ishmael tonight is a sin. I know it's not a popular thing to preach about sin at a youth conference. But the reason that you are going to miss out on God's best plans for your life is because there is sin in your life and you're okay with it. And everything that you're trying to do for God, you have an Ishmael and he's constantly beating you about the head. Maybe your Ishmael tonight is a relationship and you think you're mature enough to handle it. But I'm telling you, you are not as mature as you think you are. God has a plan for your life. He wants to use your life. But some of you will trade all that God has the best in your, for your life. Some of you will trade it for a relationship that won't last more than a year or two right now. Maybe Ishmael is your big plans and you've got big plans for your life. Listen, I understand it. I had big plans for my life. I had things that I wanted to do and, and I wanted to work in a tall building and make lots of money and I thought that was a better plan for my life. But listen, when I finally surrendered to God and I said, okay, I'll follow your plans, I wouldn't trade one minute of what I've gotten to enjoy for the life that I thought I wanted to live. And young person, it is time to let Ishmael go. It is time to cast out the bondwoman and, and just uh, the bond, the Ishmael, the bondwoman and her son, it says, it's time to let it go. And if you have any desire to enjoy God's best plans for your life, let it go. Whatever is holding you back, whatever keeps you in bed in the morning instead of waking up and read your Bible, whatever keeps you out of church on Wednesday nights, Whatever it is that consumes your thoughts, whatever it is that keeps you from following your youth pastor's direction, whatever it is that keeps you from obeying your parents like you ought to, it is time to cast out Ishmael. It's time to let it go. Because you will never, like Abraham, you will never get to enjoy the plans God has for your life unless you say, be gone, Ishmael. Many of you know about a young man named Kalen Ricketson. Kalen Ricketson, I was his youth pastor. And uh, it's one of the highlights of my life to get to have been his youth pastor. When he was 14 years old, uh, Kalen, uh, we were at camp and he came out crying, and I got to take him out and pray with him. And he said, I want to give my life to God. I want to be a youth pastor. I want to impact the next generation for God. I got to be there to see it. When he was 16, he was diagnosed with cancer. I was in California. It was Christmas break. He called me and said, hey, Brother Jed, I just wanted to let you know this lump. He'd had a lump in his elbow for uh, a couple of months at that point, he said, I went and got it checked out. Turns out it's cancer. 
we're going to have to start some treatments and, 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 and a surgery to figure out what's going on with it. And it was in his left arm. He was left-handed. Still, he had a great attitude the whole time. And a couple dozen surgeries, countless chemo treatments. It wasn't a small thing. It was major cancer. Kalen's call, though, never wavered. Because he dreamed about being a youth pastor. He dreamed about giving his life to God. And honestly, he wanted nothing more than to go to Bible college and train to be in the ministry because he, that's what he knew God wanted him to do. When he was a senior, he made one of the bravest decisions I've ever seen a young person make. So he, had, uh, he had some treatment options, but because he knew it would possibly turn into an amputation no matter what he did... He said, I, I want to be as ready for Bible college as I possibly can. So he told the doctors, please, let's just go ahead and take my left arm. Because if you'll take it right now, it gives me lots of time to get ready to go to Bible college. And then when I go to Bible college, I'll be ready to tie my own ties one-handed and, and, and tie my shoes one-handed. And I'll be able to kind of function normally. I don't want somebody to have to take care of me the whole time. I want to be ready for Bible college, and I want to do it on my own. But if I'm going to do that, I've got to get rid of my arm right now so I'm ready to move forward. So the doctors amputated his arm, and he started preparing for Bible college, and, and he didn't want any shortcuts. He tied his own ties and tied his own shoes. And, and he, in that first year, I'm telling you, he came, and, and I wasn't able to be here for it, but but I kept up with him and kept track of him, and he had a great attitude the whole time. He excelled in his classes. He had a spirit of service, and he, he just wanted to do right. He loved every second of Bible college. He went home after that first year, and, and they ran some more tests and find out that, found out the cancer had come back with a vengeance. He wasn't able to come back for his second year. For about a year and a half, he battled hard. Labor Day 2021... We got a call, Brother Samuel and I, that Kaylin had passed on. You know, they tried multiple treatments. They did everything they could, and it just, God, God's timing. And I, I remember I got to go to his funeral and speak at his funeral, and it was honestly the, most, the sweetest funeral I've ever been to. Spirit-filled, it was a time of rejoicing because of the kind of person that Kalen was. And he was a leader among his peers. He walked with God. He was all in. He did everything that God wanted him to do. And I just want to point out tonight that Kalen was so focused on following God that he was willing to remove his arm so that he could move forward and he could do what God wanted him to do and before he made that decision as a 17-year-old, I was texting him and I said, what is your response going to be if God doesn't answer your request like you want him to? Here's his answer. He said, well, I'm obviously hoping for the best case scenario with my health. I'm also hoping that regardless of what the final decision is for surgery and no matter how effective my chemo treatments are, that I can still trust God and know that he is still in control. And I want my response to reflect that I believe in a God who has all power and loves me and is doing everything for a reason. 
You see, in Kalen's mind, God's plans and purposes were first for him. And the reason Kalen was willing to say no to his arm was because he had already, over and over in his life, said yes to God. He had already said yes to everything, and, and which meant that he was willing to set some things aside so that he could move forward for God. And here's the lesson that Kalen learned, and I want you to learn this tonight, young person. What you gain saying yes to God is greater than anything you'll ever give up. What you gain saying yes to God is greater than anything you'll ever give up. See, Kalen saying no to his arm allowed him then to come to Bible college and have a great experience. He got to grow in the Lord. He got to meet friends, make memories. He got a closer walk with God out of it. And because he was willing to do that, then his testimony has literally affected thousands of young people. And some might say, but he still died. And, I, and that, that's true, but consider what saying yes to God got Kalen in the end. He gets to spend eternity in heaven with a brand new arm. He's healed forever. And I'm telling you, if we could go and ask Kalen um, if he wanted to come back, he would say, no way. Because his life, listen, he had said yes to God as a young person. He had said yes to God uh, offering salvation as a young person. And now he gets to live eternally in heaven. He said yes to God when it comes to surrender his life. And now he has a testimony right now that's impacting thousands of people. I'm telling you, anything you ever give up for God doesn't pale in comparison to what you gain saying yes to God. And it's time for some of us to realize that we are living a life far below what God wants us to live if we let Ishmael hang on. You've got a sin, you've got a habit, you've got a person in your life that's holding you back from God's plans for your life. And you think, oh, this is worth it. But I'm telling you right now, if we could hear Kalen's testimony, he would say it's worth it to say no to the now so you can say yes to the greater in the end. See, Kalen gave up his arm, and I'm thinking, how are we not having more young people that say, I'd be willing to give my life to God? Kalen was willing to give up his arm, and you won't say no to your alarm clock, and you won't even get up and read your Bible in the morning. Kalen said no to his arm, and some of you are saying, I don't know what God wants for my life, but it's sure not Bible college. Well, why not? I mean, you know that God's working in your heart about ministry. Kalen gave up his arm, but you're not willing to say no to the money you think you might make and follow God. I'm telling you, tonight, young person, there, is greater, there are greater things ahead if you would be willing to say no in the moment to your Ishmael. And it's time for some of you to cast him out. The question tonight is, at the end of your life, what's the one thing you're most likely to look at and say, that cost me God's best. See, I believe when you stand before God in judgment, you'll be aware of two things. You'll be aware of the rewards you got for the things you did for God. But you'll also be fully aware of the regret you have for the things you didn't do for God that you should have.
And there's one thing in most of our lives. That's our Ishmael. It's holding us back from being the right Christian we're supposed to be. From being the right son or daughter we're supposed to be. There's one thing that's keeping you back from being the leader in your youth group you're supposed to be. There's something holding you back um, from giving your life to God. There's something holding you back from being the witness at school you're supposed to be. Listen, we all have an Ishmael. And the great thing about it is, Paul says, it's time to cast them off. Which means it's possible. Through Jesus Christ's help. To tonight, let it go. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You don't have to be bound by Ishmael. Christ has already given you victory. And tonight, I just want to reiterate this truth. What you gain saying yes to God is greater than anything you'll have to give up. And that may be the most important lesson that young people can learn. Because the whole world is in front of you. There's all these possibilities. And you think, man, this is, <laughs> I could do this, I could do this. What about this? But if you'll just say yes to God, he'll give you a life greater than anything you're dreaming about right now. When you say yes to God, I'm telling you, there are no regrets. You can talk to the adults in this room that are serving God, your youth pastor, your pastor, your youth workers. At some point in their life, they were sitting right where you are. And they had dreams. And they had habits and they had sin, still do. But they said, no, what God offers is greater. And it's time to cast Ishmael out. And I look at this and I say, why don't you just let him go? Why are you holding on? Uh, why, why won't you just say, I'm done with it? Because you're like that young person trying to serve God and do everything they can in their own strength, and you are dying under the burden. It's time to let him go. Every head bowed, every eye closed.